sound so full it cracks the sky one two three whoa Well, good morning and welcome to First Baptist Church. We're excited that you're here with us this morning on this uh, special Mother's Day. We want to just say thank you to all the mothers in the crowd. Let's give them a hand. I know I'm thankful for my mother and called her and or texted her this morning and told her that and thank, thankful for my wife for being the mother of my kids. So we're especially thankful for mothers this morning and just want to say thank you to you. We also just want to want to welcome the guests. If you're a first-time guest with us, 
We're, we're uh, glad to have you here with us this morning. We'll ask one simple thing of you. There's a little white guest registration card there in the pew rack in front of you. And if you can take just a moment to fill that out and, and tell us a little bit about yourself, we'd just love to be able to follow up with you and tell you about our church. We're excited about what the Lord's doing in this body of believers here in Manchester. And so we want, we want to tell you about those, those things and invite you to be a part of those things and, and serving the Lord. And so we're excited about that. Um, I'm going to give you just a second to stand back up. Let's greet those around you, and then we'll continue to worship. Let's continue to worship as we sing. We serve the great God. He is the lion and he is the lamb. Stop the Lord Almighty. Come on, sing with me. Oh, who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Sing it over the battle. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? There is no one. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Stop the Lord Almighty. Who can stop him? Who 
good. Your love is extravagant. It's, you're so worthy of our love. So, Lord, we come before you this morning thanking you for your recklessness. No shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, a lie you won't tear down, coming after me. Come on, sing it with me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't.
sing a new song. <laughs> it's a new song. I shouldn't say a new song. I want to sing a song that we've, we've sung many years. Uh, it's a great old song called Breathe. I just was thinking about the other day that, you know, we need to get back to being desperate for God. You know, I've said this before, that we, we live in a society that's so, we have everything we need. We have everything we need, and it's easy for us to get the impression that we don't need God. But if you, if, if, if you stripped all that away, if you just got quiet, you'd realize how desperately in need we are of God. Let's sing this great old song. Sing it from your heart. This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe, your holy presence living in me. This is my daily This is my daily bread, your very word, your very word, spoken You know it, come on, sing it out, fill this place with harmony. without you Lord I'm lost without you Sing it This is the
lost without you. This is the air I breathe, air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. Will you pray with me? Lord, I pray you will bring us to a place of being desperate for you again. There's so much noise in our lives. Bring us to a place of silence so that we can sense the void that exists without you. A place where we are desperate for your voice, desperate for your time, and desperate for your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. It's good to see you today. Glad you're here to worship with us. I want to say a word about Vacation Bible School as we get going here. Three weeks from tomorrow is our Vacation Bible School. It's one of our biggest outreach events of the year. I want to ask all of you to help us by doing one thing for Vacation Bible School. I want to ask every church member if you'll extend five invitations to a family with children or middle schoolers to come to Vacation Bible School June the third and following. Everybody could do that. You've got friends, neighbors down the street, relatives who have children or, or grandchildren or uh, middle schoolers. And so would you issue five invitations in the next three weeks? You've got three weeks to do it. Next three weeks, would you invite five families? So you can do it one of two ways. There are flyers on the Welcome Center that look like this, have a registration form on the back. You could go by and pick up five of those today. That'd remind you, i got to give out my five flyers. Or on social media, you could invite five of your friends uh, and do it that way. But would you pray about, you can help us in this. You, you may not be involved in Vacation Bible School. It's our biggest outreach to families with children. Next three weeks, would you help invite five families? I appreciate you doing that. On this Mother's Day, I want to talk about family. I want to champion families every way I can. I'm so grateful for Christian families. I want to encourage you and challenge you. So today I want to talk about a kingdom-focused family. And I want to challenge you that your family would be focused not on yourselves, not on pleasure, not on money, but be focused on the kingdom of God. That you'd seek first the kingdom in your family above everything else. Well, how, what would that mean? Well, oftentimes examples are the best communicators to us. I want to share with you today an example of a family in the Bible that is kingdom-focused. And their names are Aquila and Priscilla. Those are great names, Aquila and Priscilla. Um, Jake's not in here right now. You know, Jake and Katie have uh, uh, twins arriving this summer boy and a girl. I tried to get Jake to name them Aquila and Priscilla. Wouldn't that be great? I think he's rejected that suggestion. There's still time though. You could help me make my case and you know they're not here yet. You could help me on that. But Aquila and Priscilla in the Bible were not uh, brother and sister. They're husband and wife. So if you're looking to get married, you're single, I want to give you a strategy you can use. Find the person whose name rhymes with yours, you know, Aquila, Priscilla, you know, if you're Mary, you've got a lot of choices, Larry, Jerry, Harry, Barry, you know. If you don't like that strategy for getting married, I'll tell you another one. Cindy and I have consecutive social security numbers. So uh, we didn't know that until we were dating at some point and realized our numbers are exactly the same except the last digit, and they're consecutive. So uh, another strategy for getting married, if you're single, you just look for the people that have Social Security number either before or after yours. And uh, I'm not saying it's a fail-proof strategy. I'm just offering some strategies here. It worked for me, okay? I have been very blessed to marry the person who had a 
consecutive social security number was mine. Cindy and I grew up in the same county, but we didn't know each other, and then we were dating, and got those social security numbers back to back. You, so that's just my marriage advice for you, you this morning. Well, so what we want to do today is look at Aquila and Priscilla. There are four chapters in which they're mentioned. We're going to go through these scriptures fairly quickly, and then I want to come back after we've got the whole picture of their lives and draw out for you four applications, four truths of what characterizes a kingdom-focused family. We begin, we meet them first in Acts chapter 18, verse 1. It says, after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, and there he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. So Aquila was a Jew. He grew up in Pontus, which is modern northern Turkey on the Black Sea. We don't know how he became a Christian. It seems like he was a Christian before he meets Paul here. I'm not sure about that, but I think so. There were people from Pontus at Pentecost, the Bible tells us. Could it have been one of them? led uh, Aquila to the Lord. We don't know. But they, they move from Pontus, and he and his wife are in Rome, Italy, and then they get kicked out of Rome with all the Jews. Claudius, it says, ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Here's another place where the veracity of the Bible, the uh, integrity of the Bible is verified because we know from a, another non-biblical source, a Roman historian named Suetonius, tells us that in 49 A.D., the emperor, the Roman emperor Claudius, expelled all Jews from Rome, just exactly what the Bible says. Another place where the Bible, in its small details, is proven to be accurate, and therefore it's trustworthy in its big things. Uh, Suetonius says that Claudius expelled the Jews from Rome because of a of riot about a man named Crestus. So we think that means Jesus Christ, that some of the Jews were converting in Rome. This was causing a division in the Jews, uh, a riot. And so Claudius just kicked them all out. And we kicked them out of Rome. They had to go somewhere. And Aquila and Priscilla go from Rome, Italy, to Greece, the city of Corinth. And there they intersect with Paul on his second missionary journey. And it says... In verse 2, Paul went to see them. In verse 3, and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. So both Paul and Aquila and Priscilla by trade were tent makers, or the word can mean leather worker. Most tents of that day, they tell us, were made out of leather. And so they uh, sewed together tents or did other leather work. They shared an occupation. And so uh, they worked together and Paul got to know them and they became lifelong friends. It tells us in chapter 18 verse 18 that Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time and then he left the brothers and sisters and sailed for Syria accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. And so now Paul's continuing his second missionary journey and uh, uh, he left Corinth and they go with him. And so now Aquila and Priscilla have become missionaries. Uh, they have committed their lives to sharing the gospel. And they're going with Paul on his missionary journey. And it says in verse 19, they arrived at Ephesus where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. And he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. And so Paul then from this point goes on back home to Antioch. He's completing his circuit of his missionary journey, but he leaves Priscilla and Aquila in Ephesus, and so they continue in this new city in the work of the kingdom, building up the church. And it tells us of an event that happened there while they were in Ephesus. In uh, verse 24, meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus, and he was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. So here comes this guy named Apollos from northern Africa, Alexandria. 
and he's become a believer, and he's very fervent, he's an eloquent speaker, and he's very convincing and very charismatic, but he knows only the baptism of John, that is the baptism of repentance. He knows the story of Jesus, he's committed to follow Jesus, but they don't have television, they don't have the internet, that communication is limited. He does not yet have the full picture of the gospel that with Pentecost has come the Holy Spirit, and there's a baptism not just of repentance that John did, but now there is Christian baptism in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and that's the mark of becoming a disciple. So he's, he's not got the full story, he's a little bit uninformed, and what do Aquila and Priscilla do? Well, if they'd live today, they would just crash him on the internet, that's what they would do today, you know. But no, they take a redemptive approach and they invite him into their home. Here's this guy who's not quite right theologically and they say, hey, won't you come home with us and let's talk about this. And they disciple him and instruct him and help him. And the verses that follow that we haven't read tell us that Apollos goes on to be a great witness for Christ because of this quiet work of Aquila and Priscilla. Well, the next time in Scripture that we meet them it's in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 16, 9, and there's a reference to them. And uh, um, it says in 1 Corinthians 16, or excuse me, verse 19, the churches in the province of Asia send your greetings. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord, and so does the church that meets at their house. So Aquila and Priscilla are still in Ephesus where Paul left them, and Paul is writing a letter back to Corinth where they all were before, where Paul and Aquila and Priscilla first met. He's writing to the Corinthians, and at the end of his letters, he often does, he sends greetings with people they would know. And so he sends greetings from Aquila and Priscilla who are still there in Ephesus, and now we get the note that they greet you warmly in the Lord, and a church meets in their house. So they had opened their home to a meeting of the church. First church buildings were not to the end of the first century. There's no church buildings yet. And, and so people have to meet somewhere, and they meet in homes or wherever they can. And Aquila and Priscilla have opened their home for the church in Ephesus uh, to meet there. The next time we meet Aquila and Priscilla is in the letter to the Romans that Paul writes. So in Romans 16, at the end of his letter, Paul, who's uh, writing to the church at Rome, he's never been to Rome, but he writes a personal greeting to 24 people that he knows there. Because of all this travel, he's met a lot of people who are in Rome, and so he personally greets the 24 people he knows in the church uh, at Rome. And so the first ones that he mentions in this long list in verse 3, greet Priscilla and Aquila. So now we learn that they're back in Rome, right? Because Paul is writing this letter to the Romans, and he's saying, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. So somehow they've made their way from Ephesus now back to Rome, and they're where they first started out before they got kicked out of Rome, because you see, this is about 57 A.D., and Claudius had died in 54 A.D., the emperor that had expelled all Jews from Rome, and so now Jews can return to Rome, and they've gone back there, and it says in Romans 16, 4, they risked their lives for me, not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. We don't know what Priscilla and did Aquila did to save Paul's life. Paul talks about how he's beaten many times. He was shipwrecked. He was in prison. Did they help him escape? Did they defend him from a mob? We don't know, but somehow Paul is indebted to them because they've risked their lives for me. And then verse 5 says, greet also the church that meets in their house. So now they're in Rome, and they do the same thing that they did in Ephesus. They open their house, their home, to the work of God, and a church is meeting in their house in Rome. The last time that we encounter Priscilla and Aquila in the Scriptures is in 2 Timothy 4.19. This is Paul's last letter near the end of his life. And among the very last things that he says in this last letter, almost the last verse, 2 Timothy 4.19, greet Priscilla and Aquila in the household of Onesiphorus. So now Paul is writing to Timothy, who's the pastor at Ephesus, and he tells 
Timothy, say hello to me, for me, to Priscilla and Aquila. So now we know that somehow they've left Rome and they're back in Ephesus again and they're helping Timothy in the work of God there in Ephesus. And Paul, among his last greetings, says, greet them. We followed them in this short survey of, of, through about 20 years, from about 49 A.D. to about 68 A.D. or so. And these people have faithfully served the kingdom of God. Okay, so we've surveyed the scriptures about them. What can we learn from that? What, what would it mean for us to be like Aquila and Priscilla, a kingdom-focused family? First of all, a kingdom-focused family works as a team. They are a team in all the places that they're mentioned. It's always the two of them together. Do you see that in all six of these places that they're mentioned? They're always, it's Aquila and Priscilla. And they work together as a team for the glory of God. L let me ask you, is your family function as a team? Husbands and wives, do you, do you function as a team? Have you gotten to be sort of adversarial where you're sort of against one another? You know what God wants your family, your marriage to be? is He wants you to be a team. Wives, would you get on your husband's team? Would you would you come alongside your husband and, and, and try to support and help him? And maybe your relationship's deteriorated from that. And today on this Mother's Day is a day for you to say, I want us to be a team. I, I want us to love one another, forgive one another, work together. And let me say to this, husbands, would you get on your wife's team? Did you notice as we went through this that four of the six times that this couple is mentioned, Priscilla's name is first? Four out of the six times that this couple is mentioned in the Bible, it's not Aquila and Priscilla, it's Priscilla and Aquila. That's a little bit unusual for this culture. Why is that? Why is she mentioned first most of the time? We don't know. Could it have been she'd been a believer longer or that she was better known than Aquila? Uh, could it be like, I bet some of you have heard the name Beth Moore. I bet some of you know there's a Christian Bible teacher an author who's written books named Beth Moore. I bet, I bet some of you know that. How many of you know Beth Moore's husband's name? Anybody know his name? His name is Keith Moore. But if you're going to talk about them, you'd probably say, hey, at the airport today I ran into Beth Moore and Keith Moore, wouldn't you? you you'd probably put her first. Could that be what's going on here? I don't know. But hey, guys, if your wife's been a Christian longer than you, if she knows more Bible than you, that, that's okay. You just get on her team, okay? Just be a team together and get together in serving the Lord. Kids, let me say to you, today, are you on your parents' team? Are you giving them a hard time? Are you, are you hassling them? Are you, is, it a, is it a relationship where you're just butting heads all the time? Would you say, you know, on this Mother's Day, I want to I wanna bring glory to God in our family, and I want to be on my, the team with my family. Aquila and Priscilla are an example to us of a couple that works, a family that works as a team. I'll give you a second lesson from them about what a kingdom-focused family is like. A kingdom-focused family finds a mission bigger than their jobs. Finds a mission bigger than their jobs or their careers. Aquila and Priscilla were leather workers. They were tent makers, as was Paul. But they found a mission in life that was bigger than leather work, it was to serve the kingdom of God. Now listen, you can glorify God through your work. Your work can certainly be your mission. And as you do it well and do it with integrity and, and point people to Jesus in your work, if you're making car parts or tires or caskets or airplanes or whatever you're making, your, your work can be for the glory of God. But you can also have an avocation that's greater than your vocation. And would you find a reason for living that's bigger than just your job? Would you, like Aquila and Priscilla, say, we are kingdom-focused. We're seeking first the kingdom of God. And wherever that takes us and whatever that means in our life, we're going to serve God. And Paul calls them, they are my co-workers my fellow workers. I thank God for many of you 
who don't, as I do, work full-time in a church, but you are my co-workers because you're giving your life to the kingdom of God. And bigger than your leather work, you found a purpose, a mission for serving God. Did you find that in your life? You want some purpose and some meaning in your life? You may have a bummer of a job. You know, what, you just don't like your job. You can find purpose and meaning if you're stuck in a job, you can't improve that job. You can find something bigger. That's what Aquila and Priscilla did. They continued, I think, their trade, supporting themselves throughout this ministry, but they were living for something more. They were living for the kingdom of God. Would God be calling you to do that? God calls some people to leave their jobs, but some people he calls them to stay in their jobs and to find a mission bigger. Third characteristic of a kingdom-focused family, a kingdom-focused family uses their home or their house to glorify God. Did you hear in the example of Aquila and Priscilla that three of the six times that they are mentioned in the New Testament, it talks about their house. Uh, they, when Apollos came to Ephesus and he, he, he needed some help, they said, hey, won't you come home with us and let's talk? And they invited him into their home. And then in two other cities, they had a house meeting, a, a, a church meeting in their house. They opened their home. They used their home for the glory of God. You know, if you're going to surrender your life to God, your home is probably your biggest asset, right? If it's going to be surrendering, steward, you know what stewardship is? You're a steward of all you have. Well, your home is probably the biggest thing on earth that you own, maybe. Would you surrender? What, how would God use your home? I thank God for foster families in our church who have opened their home to kids. I thank God for people who have adopted in our church who have opened their home and they're, they're a kingdom-focused family because they're glorifying God through that. And we've lost some of the Christian hospitality that Priscilla and Aquila demonstrate for us here. Our homes have become more retreats, even listed in real estate. Great retreats for you. Or they've been a fortress or a castle. You know, architecture's changed some of that. Air conditioning has changed some of that. You know, when I grew up, we didn't have air conditioning. You know what we had? A screen door. Any of you grew up with a screen door? It had a spring on it. And you'd open it, bam, bam, you know, screen door. Then we got fancier and we had that that pneumatic thing, you know, it'd come back, come back like that. But the first thing you did when you got up in the morning was you opened the door. You opened your front door and you opened your back door because you wanted some air coming through that house in the south, right? And now, you know, it's, it's all closed up. Keep that air conditioning in. We, were, we lived in Cleveland, Tennessee, and our kids were small. We had a screen door. We opened our back door, and there's this little kid lived in a trailer on the hill behind us, and uh, we would be doing something in the house, and he would just come to the screen door and stand and watch. And you'd be think, you know, just sensing something, and you'd look, and there was Brian uh, just standing at the screen door. He didn't have much of a family, and I really think he just wanted to watch a family, and he just wanted to see what it looked like. And so if you, if uh, we had, I had two sons, and they were a little older than him, and if, and if he saw you looking back at him, he would say, them boys here, remember this is East Tennessee, okay, them boys here, and we would say, well, them boys are, are not here, or they are here, or, or whatever. And I don't know, Brian's probably, Brian's got to be 30 by now, I wonder where Brian is. I'm glad we invited him into our home, I hope it made some difference in his life. I wonder if I should have done more. I wonder if I was thinking more about being a pastor and a minister when God had a little kid standing at my back door looking through the screen door saying, them boys here. Are you using your home for the gospel? I want to tell you, I just finished reading a book by Rosaria Butterfield. Now, there's a name for you. Rosaria Butterfield wrote a book entitled The Gospel Comes with a House Key. And it's, it, subtitle is Radical ordinary hospitality in a post-Christian world. Rosaria Butterfield grew up in a home that did not have God at all there. And she became a lesbian, became a gay rights activist, a feminist, intellectual, taught at Syracuse University, wrote an editorial in the Syracuse newspaper defending gay rights, 
a lot of people wrote in, and one of those was a pastor named Ken Smith. And she said that uh, his was the kindest response that she'd ever received, and he invited her to his house to talk about it. She said, every Sunday night, people get together at my house, and we sing, and we read the Bible. Won't you come? And she was writing a book opposing the religious right, and she said, thought, I cannot write this book without knowing something about it. This is my best chance to see what these people are like. So she nervously accepted the invitation to go to Ken and Floyd Smith's house. And she went every Sunday night, and they sang songs, and they did a Bible study, and they ate a meal together. And through the course of time, Rosaria Butterfield became a follower of Jesus Christ, left her, left her lesbian partner. Today, she's a pastor's wife in Durham, North Carolina, and every Sunday, she opens her home to every neighbor and every church member who will come, and uh, she invites about 25 people to her house every Sunday night. We may have lost some of what Aquila and Priscilla model for us, that if we want to be kingdom-focused families, would you give your house to God tonight, today, right now? Would you say, God, I surrender my life to you, so I'm going to surrender my house. I don't know what that will mean, but I want to use my house, my home, for the glory of God. That's what Aquila and Priscilla did. Fourth characteristic of a kingdom-focused family is that a kingdom-focused family connects to a local church wherever they move. Do you hear all the movement in Aquila and Priscilla's life? So they start out in northern Turkey, or at least Aquila does, uh, in Pontus, and then he goes way over to Rome, Italy, and he and Priscilla are there. Maybe they meet there, maybe they come there, but they live in Rome. Then they get kicked out of Rome, and they go to Greece, to Corinth, and that's where they meet Paul there. And then they go on a missionary journey with Paul, and they go to, to Ephesus, back into Turkey, and Paul leaves them there, and they have a church in their house. And then Claudius dies, and they go back to Rome, where they started out, and they got a church in their house there. And then Paul, or Timothy 1, needs them in Ephesus, and they go back to Ephesus, and at the end of the story, they're there. They move five times. And everywhere, there's a church in their house, or they're serving God. Now, you see, God calls some people to move, and he may call you to go and be a missionary. That's what he did with Aquil and Priscilla's. But some of their moves were not voluntary. They got kicked out of Rome. So sometimes you have to move. A job moves you. Wherever you move, will you realize that God has a purpose in your move? They didn't know when they got kicked out of Rome what was going to happen, but God used old Claudius kicking them out of Rome for them to meet Paul in Corinth. Isn't that amazing? God can use your moves. Average person in America is going to move 11 times, according to the Census Bureau. If you're average, you'll move 11 times. Some of that's within county, within city. 14% of you are going to move this year. So if I'm talking to 750 people total today, over 100 of you are not going to be here next year. That breaks my heart. I hate seeing people leave. But that's our mobile society. You're going to join the military. Your job's going to move you. You're going to go to school, whatever it may be. Here's what I want to say to you. Be kingdom focused wherever you move. Realize God has a purpose for you. It's not by accident you're there. And for goodness sakes, connect with a church. Be like Priscilla and Aquila. I don't want you to be a member of First Baptist Manchester when you've been living in Denver for a year and a half. I want you to be a member there. Be like Aquila and Priscilla. They moved. They weren't with friends anymore. Have another church met in their house. You don't need your church membership where your grandmother was. You need your church membership where you can serve where you are. So would you promise me? Would you take a Mother's Day promise? If I move, if, I hope I never leave Coffee County. But if I do, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to be involved in church. I'm going to be active in church. Would you just make that promise now? Now, I want to say to those of you who have moved here, you need to join this church. You're being fed here. You need to be where you can serve here. You don't need your membership where grandma was or, or whatever that other denomination you were in. You're here. You need to replace these people who are going to be moving away. I need your help. You need to join here. 
That's what Aquila and Priscilla did. Wherever life takes you, wherever life takes you, you got a purpose. God has some role for you there. Would you see that in this example? What's God saying to you today about your family? Would you pray this prayer? Oh God, on this Mother's Day, I want our family to be a team. I want us to find a purpose bigger than our jobs. I want us to dedicate our home to glorify you. And I want us to be centered in the church wherever you take us. Oh, God, make us kingdom-centered family, I pray. Would you stand with me in time of invitation? Now, the first step in having a kingdom-centered family is being a kingdom-centered person. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? It's the best thing you can do for your marriage, best thing you can do for your family. Would you become a follower of Jesus today? Would you walk down one of these aisles while we're singing and present yourself for baptism? Or if your membership is somewhere else, would you do like Aquila and Priscilla when they moved to Ephesus and to Rome? Would you become a part of this church so that you can serve God here and focus on the kingdom? We'd welcome you by repentance, by faith, and by baptism. That's what you have to do to join our church. If you've done those things, come on. If you're willing to do those things, come on, join us. Let's sing together. This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. Your holy presence living in me. This is my daily bread. This is my daily bread, your very word spoken to me, and I This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. Your holy presence living in me. This is my day. This is my daily bread, your very word spoken to me, and I, I'm lost. Thank you. Please be seated, if you will, and we're going to give our offerings now in worship to God. Bow with me, please. Your name in all the earth. Oh, there is none like you, worthy of honor and glory and praise now and forever. And we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth, to gather together to sing, to pray, and to hear your word preached. 
as we pray, I have my prayers for our pastors that we will, all of our families will be to become more kingdom focused and just kingdom focused to begin with. Lord, we thank you for your provision for us. You give us, us this place. And we thank you for the means that, by which we support it and the churches around the world. We pray, our Lord, that you would bless our offering, those who give it, who receive it, and those who use it effectively, Lord, wherever it goes. For we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. held out to you the last time you heard the words inviting you to come the last time there were arms open wide for you do you remember ever knowing anyone who saw you as someone who called you by name and said forgiven to you, my child, you are chosen, you are loved, you are forgiven. Do you remember the last time you truly felt safe? The last time you were honest about your feeling pain? Knowing there was someone who could take that guilt away. Do you remember when you heard those words of love? Believing in your heart that you were worth the cost. You are forgiven. Every word and deed you are forgiven. He says to you, my child, you chosen you are loved you are forgiven I am set free all my stains are washed clean Jesus my God and King chosen I am loved I am forgiven I have been set free I am forgiven say to me my child you are chosen you are loved and that will always be Well, as we close our service this morning, I just want to guide your attention to the worship guide for a moment. Uh, there's some great information in there about VBS and registration for that. Also information about summer camps and trips for students. And uh, also, by the end of the month, is the deadline to register for the Jesus Tent at Bonnaroo. Uh, you can wait until June 5th, but I can't guarantee t-shirt size. We always order a few extras for everybody who registers late, but... You want to get out to the Jesus tent and look good. You don't want to be wearing a skirt or a large dress when you come to the Jesus tent. So re registration to be guaranteed your t-shirt size is uh, May 31st. So with that being said, let's close out our service by prayer. <clears throat> Father, I thank you for your goodness to us. And Lord, I thank you, God, that you are using us in your kingdom. God, that you would 
want to use us is amazing. Father, may we look at it as a privilege and an honor. And may we serve you for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.